Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Capital. This is Bloomberg Sound Off. I know that a lot of Republicans, their dream is to cut Social Security and Medicare. Well, let me say this. If that's your dream, I'm your nightmare. We didn't target Joe and Hunter Biden. Their actions demanded. I think, uh, frankly, the Pentagon and NORAD were asleep at the switch. Bloomberg Sound Off. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. This resolution is going nowhere. They have admitted it. They are going to try to push this as it is a messaging push. I don't know why the White House is even engaging on this, right? There's going to be no solution. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The U.S. shoots down a UFO over Alaska. Just don't call it a balloon. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics with breaking news from the Pentagon today. Fighter jets down an object at 40,000 feet less than a week after the U.S. shot down the Chinese spy balloon off the East Coast here. We're going to talk about it ahead with Max Baucus, former U.S. ambassador to China and former senator from Montana. The chair of the SEC now signals a new crackdown on crypto trading platforms after they announced this settlement with Kraken today. We'll be joined later by former SEC chair Harvey Pitt on where all of this is going. And as President Biden accuses Republicans of trying to kill Social Security, the GOP is pushing back. We'll discuss it all with our signature panel, Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis. You you learn pretty quickly in Washington that it pays to ask questions because John Kirby today at the White House did not announce the UFO in the briefing room. The National Security Council spokesman brought up a few other important geopolitical topics, including the war in Ukraine. He had some prepared remarks, talked about the earthquake in Turkey, but it was only when asked that he confirmed that the U.S. shot down another aircraft over U.S. territory. Here he is. So I can confirm that the Department of Defense was tracking a high altitude object over Alaska airspace in the last 24 hours. Out, uh, the, uh, the object was flying at an altitude of uh, 40,000 feet and posed a reasonable threat to the safety of civilian flight. Out of an abundance of caution and at the recommendation of the Pentagon, President Biden ordered the military to down the object. And they did. And it came inside our territorial waters. Uh, Those waters right now are frozen, but inside uh, territorial uh, airspace and over territorial waters. Fighter aircraft assigned to U.S. Northern Command took down the object within the last hour. Within the last hour. Does that change the subject at the White House briefing pretty quickly. So a high altitude object is the object a balloon. No one is actually using that word. 
More on this from Kirby. Listen. He ordered it uh, at the recommendation of Pentagon leaders. Uh, he wanted it taken down, and they did that. They did it using fighter aircraft assigned to U.S. Northern Command. The Pentagon will have more to say about the details of this uh, later on this afternoon. It's only just within the last hour. Uh, we're calling this an object because that's the best description we have right now. Uh, we do not know who owns it, uh, whether it's a whether it's state-owned or, or or corporate-owned or privately-owned. We just don't know. The Pentagon says the Secretary of Defense did not call his counterpart in China. Then again, they wouldn't even confirm where the object originated. Now, as we wait to learn more here, we're lucky to have the insights of Max Baucus, the former U.S. ambassador to China, and of course, the former senator from the state of Montana, where of all places, they know a little bit about balloon watching uh, lately. Uh, Mr. Ambassador, I really appreciate your being with us here. Uh, do we need to be on the line with China now? And I ask you that knowing that we don't have uh, access to the direct line of communication that the U.S., for instance, had with the with the former Soviet Union. Is communication a problem tonight? It's a huge problem. In fact, when I was serving as ambassador, there was some communication back and forth. Um, U.S. Um, military would talk with Chinese military. But um, unfortunately, in the last, oh gosh, several years, it's virtually been cut off. Not, not just military to military. It's also other forms of communication. And that is a huge problem. Ignorance breeds fear. And if we, we don't communicate, we get fearful. And that's a problem. Are you assuming this thing, whatever it was, was from China? I have no idea. Um, uh, the Pentagon has not indicated what it is yet. Uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Kirby said it's an object, unidentified object. We don't yeah. have the balloon, or if it's aircraft, or what in the world it is, or where it's from. But, that, but you know, we pride ourselves in America on getting the facts. And this is uh, an instance where we have to dig down, and news media must, um, the uh, Congress must ask questions, keep asking questions, because sometimes the, the administration, not just this one, tend not to give all the facts because they, they sometimes are fearful that it might be uh, exposing something. But in this case, mm-hmm. we have to get the facts. Obvious national security implications with a story like this. The fact that it landed on ICE, though, uh, Ambassador, uh, might be encouraging that, that they actually got this thing. We'll, maybe we'll actually see it. No question. Um, it's, when we see the debris, that's going to help us know what in the world it is. Yeah. We just don't know yet. Coming off of this oh, whole exercise with the balloon, how 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 bad is it? How strained are our relations with China? The president tried to kind of shrug it off the other day in an interview with PBS to say, you know, nothing's changed in our relationship. This happened the way it did. But obviously, you've got a, a, you know, a very prickly uh, President Xi and an easily offended uh, group of people in Beijing, and they could be looking at this very differently right now. Yeah, I, I, I praise President Biden for trying to play it down because this thing should no pun intended, be blown out of proportion. Um, but because it's, it's an object, you can see it, you know, that makes it blown out of proportion. I mean, it's it's not just in China. It's also in the United States. Um, I think there are a lot of hawks in China who are putting a lot of pressure on President Xi Jinping, and so they're making it difficult for him to cooperate with the United States. But it's also in the U.S. too. There are a lot of hawks in the U.S. Congress who like nothing better than to, to criticize President Biden or sure. criticize China. And so that just raises the uh, the tension and the rhetoric. Well, the politics uh, behind all of this came up in the briefing today, Ambassador. Here's John Kirby again talking about our China policy. I wouldn't derive from these two incidents some sort of 
policy uh, that, that comes out of it. Uh, at a, the, the president will always act in the best interest of the American people and international security. Um, last week, we were talking about a surveillance asset um, that was purposely flown over the continental United States. In the case today, we're talking about uh, an object. Again, we don't know a lot about it, but, uh, but that at its altitude represented a potential threat to the safety of flying customers, uh, you know, civil air traffic. Is that level of caution uh, warranted? Obviously, China's listening. I, I think there probably is. You have to take um, Mr. Kirby uh, in good faith. He probably is accurate what he said about potential problems with civilian aircraft. But the real point I want to make is that we Americans um, have to realize that China's not going anywhere. China's always going to be there. And it's important for us to um, to figure out how we're going to deal with China in a, in a respectful way. Now, we have to protect our national security, clearly, um, just as China is trying to protect it, its own national security. Mm-hmm. But uh, we, we're letting these little incidents get bigger and bigger and bigger, and they're really starting to cause the tension between the two countries to grow even greater. Um, we should do our best not to be critical of the other country, but but to be but to be honest when we see something that they're doing they should not be doing. But let's let's be careful here and, and try to calm a little bit here because otherwise we're going to yeah. get ourselves in deeper trouble. Well, to your point, the administration does tend to try to you know tamp this down. They like to say competition instead of conflict. Uh, but there are a lot of hawks on both sides of the aisle on Capitol Hill and at the Pentagon. My gosh, you what did you think about this story from the Air Force General Mike Minahan? in his memo that that ended up leaking, uh, suggesting that we would be at war or need to be at least prepared for war with China by 2025? Well, I was uh, a bit surprised at that memo. I think that uh, he showed uh, insufficient exercise of discipline um, in writing it. Um, The more any general makes comments like that, the more it's going to tend to happen. Um, I I think rather we should be looking for ways to find uh, where the United States can work with China, it just we haven't done that yet. Uh, we did. Want, we did. This is a very, very. Um, well, how can I say it? Um, esoteric point, but the United States and China have agreed to accounting standards so that 200 Chinese companies listed on American stock exchanges will not now be delisted. That's an agreement. That's a, where two countries work together, and I think we should be looking for more things like that. Can I ask you, Ambassador, were you home in Montana when the balloon went over? <laughs> I was. Yeah, I was. Did you um, see it? I, I did not, no. It was over in Billings, Montana, another part of the okay. state. I, I teased my former colleague, John Tester, because it flew over his <laughs> ranch in, in Montana. <laughs> I gave a hard time about that. He had some pretty tough questions uh, for Pentagon officials yesterday. Are you allowing for the possibility that this actually was a mistake, that this somehow got blown off course and... China was uh, sort of caught in an embarrassing situation. I mean, they said it was it was a controllable aircraft. I, I think there's a real possibility that, um, that, that the PLA sent that balloon over and did not communicate with foreign minister or others in the Chinese government. Huh. And, and, and as an example of miscommunication, you know, we tend to think that China is kind of monolithic. It isn't. My God, it's a huge, big country, lots of different agencies, and they make mistakes too. And I think this could well have been a big one. Well, my goodness, what's what's the uh, the punishment for that in President Xi's world? Well, it's probably going to have someone's head. Um, we're not you mean that literally? 
Yeah, well, almost literally, not quite literally, obviously. But it, it's, he's going to be. Wow. He, it's, he has egg on his face. Either it's a miscommunication within the government, which is says that he's got a problem, yeah. or he has egg on his face because he ordered it, and that's another problem that shows he's politically tone deaf. It's a, it's a big mistake for them. I've asked you this before. I think you said no, Ambassador. Do you call this a Cold War? Um, it's getting. It's very cool. It's cooling down. It's getting close to Cold War, and that's the concern I have. We're moving more and more toward a Cold War, and um, with incidents like this, if we don't cool it, try to figure out what's going on, try to build those lines of communication between our two countries, the more we're going to get a Cold War. I'm guessing you'll be relieved if this was not from China. The second one will be very relieved. I appreciate your coming on to talk to us. You're always good to us at Bloomberg. Max Bacchus, thank you, sir. Former U.S. ambassador to China and, of course, the senator from Montana. <laughs> Friday, we need them both. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano, Bloomberg Politics contributors. What do we think here, Rick? We're calling it a UFO. They say it's the size of a car. It's sitting on the ice somewhere. The photos ought to be incredible when they uh, recover this. Are you just assuming it's China? Finally, the White House has agreed they're UFOs. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming it's China until I'm told otherwise. Uh, I'm using just... that term. They weren't calling it that, but we'll say an object. That <laughs> no, was I love it. Um, an object. Uh, but the bottom line is you got to assume it is until you're told it's not, right? I mean, because yeah. now we've learned that there you know, been lots of these things floating around for probably exactly the same purposes that this latest one that was shot down uh, was doing, which was spying on us and other countries. Uh, and so uh, probably not the ability in China to even turn it off, you know, by the time they got they got found out. Right. These things are slow moving over the airwaves. So uh, I would say one thing that, that that Senator Baca said that I find very important and, and, and just to reiterate is the PLA may have been doing this on their own. She yeah, might not that, have known anything about this program. And the more people I've talked to who study Russia think that there is quite a bit of a gulf or China, quite a bit of a gulf between the PLA and the civilian leadership. And if that's the case, then, then as, as Senator Baca says, it's a whole different dynamic that we have to consider when dealing with China. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's a, that's a level of uncertainty that we didn't have before uh, Jeannie. And I'm surprised to hear it myself. I, you know, to, to, to the ambassador's point, people just think of, of this regime that has it locked down. Uh, and it, that's clearly not the case. That is not. And, and the U.S., at least the Biden administration, has tried to make the case that this could have gone out without Xi's knowledge. But, of course, the reality is, and what we've talked about before, is we are getting drips and drips of information. And, you know, it was yeah. stunning what you said at the top, that Kirby came out to talk about other things and then was asked a question about Does this. Does that strike you as weird? It, it strikes you. Don't want to lead with that? Yeah, it's almost like the administration, the Department of Defense, the military, the government has not sort of accepted the reality that these are balloons, that people can see them when they're shot down. They can film them. <laughs> this is not like some high tech thing, you know, that we don't know, you know, that's going on with TikTok or whatever. We can all see this. And it has added a new dimension. And it's almost as if they haven't wrapped their heads around that and haven't 
figured out a way to address it. And, you know, even to say that, you know, for security reasons, we can't discuss this, but there has been an incident that occurred. They yeah. don't seem to be able to get out on front. And, you know, another thing, just to add to what Rick said, that I thought the ambassador made such an important point, and I've heard this from several people, the fact that the communication between the United States and China, military to military and otherwise, has been cut off is something that is very, very alarming. The most important thing is we're able to communicate and talk. And for the president to say in an interview that our relations haven't been impacted by this is hard to believe, given what we're hearing. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess he's got to play it up on on TV a little bit. But we also have to be honest here, Rick. How would you have handled that today? Shouldn't the the administration or the Pentagon be calling a news conference to say, hey, we just shot something down in U.S. airspace or over U.S. territory as opposed to waiting for it to come up in another conversation? Yeah, uh, surprise me. I would have thought they'd learn the hard way on the last week's, you know, as this balloon gate has dominated Washington. Uh, it's, it's It's been in the press every hour on the hour. Right. And and the idea that they can sort of whistle past the graveyard and say, well, you know, don't say anything unless someone brings it up. And like Kelly yeah. O'Donnell brings it up in the first question. Hey, what what's going on? Did you guys shoot something down? Um, uh, I'm sure Dan Sullivan was doing backflips. Yeah, finally, they're shooting stuff over Alaska. Right. And uh, I told him to do that on the last Rick. But I mean, yeah, I, I don't that's and, and he was prepared for the question. He had all the information that you just heard uh, as an answer. Uh, Jeannie, how would you do that differently? I think exactly what you said, and it is reminiscent of the documents debacle. There is a level of transparency. You you wait and wait and wait, and then when it comes up, oops, this happened. It is this drip, drip, drip. They need to get out in front. Joe Matthew, if they listened to what you just said, this would all have been avoided, and, and that's how, exactly how it should be done. That's a scary thought. Uh, Rick and Jeannie <laughs> with us for the hour on this Friday. I'm delighted to be underway here on the fastest hour in politics. Quick breaker on the terminal, Senator Fetterman has been discharged from the hospital. His office just announced that. We're going to talk to Harvey Pitt today about this new settlement, crypto settlement with the SEC. This is Bloomberg. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services and claims, The Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business demands. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. 
So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The chair of the SEC makes news and puts crypto trading firms on notice with a major settlement here announced today, as you likely heard or saw on Bloomberg, with the crypto exchange Kraken over. Do you do you know about this? You got all the buzzwords here. It's called staking. Here's Gary Gensler explaining what they were doing with the coins that led to the settlement here in a conversation today with David Weston on Balance of Power. They asked the public and they solicit the public for their funds, their crypto, and they say, we'll give you a return. And they might call it lending. In this case, it was called staking as a service, and we'll give you 4%, 8%, or even 21% returns. Yeah. And therein lies the issue. They were doing this without the proper disclosure. And that's the important part of this. It's not that the practice was in itself breaking rules, but they were not fully disclosing them as securities. And Gensler says this is the moment for everyone to change their act because Kraken's not the only one. Listen. They need to come into compliance and they are generally non-compliant right now. The investing public is not only at risk by the speculative nature of crypto, but they're at risk of ending up in line in a bankruptcy court because a lot of these platforms are doing things they're not disclosing. We're joined now to talk about it by Harvey Pitt, CEO of Calorama Partners and the former chair of the Securities and Exchange Commission. Mr. Chairman, it's great to have you on Bloomberg Radio. Uh, Gary Gensler made the point that there have been 100 actions. They've taken 100 actions against uh, various crypto firms and entities and practices since uh, he's been in the chair. Is the SEC moving fast enough? Well, um, the right question may be, are they moving too fast? Um, Hmm. But uh, they're certainly moving quite rapidly, and uh, they are creating a a very dangerous turf to cryptocurrency firms. Why too fast? Well, the difficulty is that we're dealing with um, a a trend and with um, uh, activities that are not well-defined. And what the SEC is doing is they're bringing enforcement actions as their way of telling people what the rules may be. But the right way to regulate this would be to put out uh, information that allows people to understand what the rules of the road are, how they can comply, and then if they don't comply, enforce the law. That's not happening. So the SEC is failing and not communicating with the crypto universe, is your point? I think so. And um, uh, Commissioner uh, Pierce um, uh, put out a statement which said the SEC's known about staking transactions, for example, uh, for quite a long time. And never bothered to tell anyone uh, what was required. 
This is what a $30 million settlement here impacts customers in the U.S. Harvey Pitt, this firm Kraken, says it'll still do this same staking with customers from outside of the U.S. So doesn't that kind of defeat the purpose? Well, it does because, first of all, if this is worth doing, why are Americans not allowed to participate? And secondly, um, the real fear is that if people think this is something worth doing, they will find a way to um, uh, in, uh, in, in get involved in these programs going through foreign intermediaries, all of which will cut out the SEC as a relevant regulator. Are you worried about regulation stifling or killing a nascent technology or whatever you want to call it, currency or store of value? Am I hearing you wrong? I I am. Um, Let me say that I think the concerns that have been articulated about full disclosure, about uh, registration and the like, are legitimate concerns. The question is, how do you get people to follow the rules? Um, The best way to do that, in my view, is to tell them what the rules are. (laughs) And then, if they don't follow the rules, you throw the book at them. Is this your rule for parenting as well? Yeah, it, it uh, follows, but I've learned with parenting that all bets are off and anything <laughs> is always my fault. I have a 15-year-old. I'm going to call you off the air, uh, Mr. Chairman. <laughs> I really appreciate your um, insights today. Harvey Pitt is the CEO of Calorama Partners, former chair of the SEC and a, and a good dad, I'm sure. We reassembled our panel with Rick and Jeannie on this, here we go again, Jeannie, with crypto regulation and just never seems to settle quite right with people here. I don't know if this uh, settlement leads to better behavior, but is 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 Harvey Pitt onto something? Chairman Gensler could maybe use a, a get to know you tour with the with the crypto world. You know, I think it's a really important point. And, you know, it would not hurt if they would tell us what the rules are. And I shouldn't say us because I am not a part of this, but for people (laughs) in this game, what the rules are and and be very clear about it. And I understand that's easier said than done, but it's important. And I also think it's important because we're hearing pushback on this from within. I mean, Hester Pierce saying it's paternalistic, it's lazy. I mean, that those are alarming descriptors. And so I do think they have to take this criticism, the the SEC rather seriously, and to think about the best way for the government to approach this. It is important that we have regulation. It is important that we secure people, but it's also important we do it in a way that we allow these uh, crypto uh, technology to develop and people to engage in it, particularly Americans who are really excited to do that. Rick, uh, you obviously work in the investment world uh, with your role as a partner at Stonecourt Capital. Uh, you've you've seen obviously both sides of this, the political side and 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 the investment side. Do you worry that that they squash uh, an important nascent currency? You know, it's highly unlikely. I think that the actions taken to date would 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 amount to the SEC overregulating, uh, primarily because of what Harvey Pitt just said, which is. They actually haven't given a clear field of regulation for the industry to follow. It's kind of like whack-a-mole, right? You see something yeah. you don't like, you whack it. And, and, and so it's much more uh, rulemaking by prosecution 
And then lawyers get in and say, well, look, here's what they did to the Winklevosses last week. You've got the same problem. You may be vulnerable. And the first call goes to the SEC saying, hey, am I in trouble? I mean, what if, you know, there's no rule against what I'm doing. uh, And now if you're going to set new ones, could you let us know before I have to get prosecuted? Yeah. So that is one thing Wall Street hates, right? They love rules. Mm -hmm. And so if there are rules to abide by, then there's a legion of lawyers and, and, and compliance people who will make sure that that happens. But uh, not having clarity, and, and frankly, both legislatively and administratively, there hasn't been much clarity to what government's position is on the crypto industry. And it still comes down to you know defining what a security is. I mean, we, we still haven't really even crossed that hurdle, uh, Jeannie, when he says, no, you, you have to get disclosure, because in this case, that counts as a security in our eyes. Uh, my goodness, there could be a, there could be many more settlements like this to follow if that's the case. Yeah, and there certainly sounds like there might be. And the reality is, you know, we're looking at the SEC, but the reality is Congress has a role here. And, you know, I don't feel confident. I don't know, maybe Rick and you are more optimistic that we may see some action on this this year in the 118th or next year. And we certainly may. But Congress really does have a role here. And so far, we haven't seen much movement in that regards. And as you're saying, There are basic issues here of definition, and I also think we have to be careful as to who's coming in to help set these regulations. You know, you don't want the Sam Bigman Freeds of the world coming in with big money, funding campaigns, funding candidates and senators and House of Representatives members, and then using that as a uh, sort of bid. And we saw this in 2022, which is scary, um, to impact the regulatory scheme that comes out of Congress. It's kind of amazing, actually, Rick, with with all the news, not not only the downturn in prices, but all the news uh, sort of threatening crypto over the last year to a year and a half. The fact that it's still viable for some investors is kind of incredible. We've seen a pretty good uh, increase over the last a couple of weeks, as a matter of fact, despite this whole conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a really growth area in the, in the finance business. And, and there, everyone's trying to figure out, you know, what impact it's going to make. And when you pull some of the greatest minds in Wall Street, they're going to come at it from two different locations. So yep. the more we debate, the more we understand. But like, the government has to take a position in this, right? They can't just be the prosecution of last resort. And, and I think this would be a really good thing for um, uh, Joe Biden to pick up on in the last two years of his first term, Isn't that you know, right? when it's going to be very political out there and start talking about, you know, how do you regulate this industry? Help steer the conversation uh, that we'll keep having right here, of course, on Bloomberg Radio. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. President Biden was booed and heckled in the State of the Union for saying Republicans want to sunset Social Security. Right. He was referring to this proposal that we've talked about from Senator Rick Scott, knowing all the while that Republican leadership had no plans to do this. And since Tuesday night, the president has not let go. Here he is yesterday in Tampa. They were offended. Liar, liar. By the way, the last person who said that on the floor of the Senate got censored by the Senate, by the Congress. But there are about four or five, I don't know how many. I reminded them that Florida's own Rick Scott is the guy who ran the Senate campaign committee for Republicans last year, had a plan to sunset. Maybe he's changed his mind. Maybe he's seen the Lord. But but he he wanted a sunset, meaning if you don't reauthorize it, it goes away. 
Republicans have pushed back hard on this since Tuesday night because they say, you know, Rick Scott is one person. It doesn't represent our views. Among them, the Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell today, as I read on the terminal, renewing his feud with Rick Scott, criticizing the Florida senator's proposal here in a local radio interview. Listen to Mitch McConnell. Well, unfortunately, that was the Scott plan. That's not a Republican plan. That was the Rick Scott plan. The Republican plan, as I pointed out last fall, if we were to become the majority, there were no plans to raise taxes on happy American people or to sunset Medicare or Social Security. Okay, then. Rick Scott must be having a good weekend ahead here, right? Let's reassemble our panel. Rick Davis, Jeannie Shanzano are with us. Bloomberg politics contributors. Uh, It was hard to tell on Tuesday night because people were really offended by this. Republicans in the room, Jeannie. But is this a good bead for President Biden to, to continue on here? Some say it's disingenuous, but it seems to be resonating. It is resonating and ouch, it's getting silly on the Republican, or it's chilly rather, on the Republican side of the Senate. Yeah. Um, You know, he did say, in fairness to the president, that some Republicans, and the reality is Rick Scott said it in his 12-point plan, he still has not pulled it down from the website. The (laughs) White House is now showing that Governor DeSantis said it in his 2012 campaign for Congress. They also are pointing to clips by Republican uh, Mike Lee of Utah. So there are Republicans to the president president's point who have said this now mcconnell is right that is not the republican plan but that's not what the president said and so it is something we are going to hear over and over again as we go through this campaign it is something the president has latched on to well before the 2022 campaign since rick scott made that sort of right. unforced error of putting this idea out there we just didn't hear such a visceral reaction until tuesday night rick pure politics rick davis is is it a good strategy uh yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's early stages, so why not ruffle some feathers? Uh, what's a little unique about this is um, not so much that, that, that President Biden has gone after Rick Scott, who produced that ridiculous plan that nobody embraced, uh, but that uh, he, Rick Scott gets thrown under the bus by the minority leader, Mitch yes, McConnell, right. on the same day Rick Scott's on CNN trying to defend his plan, saying, oh, no, there's nothing in there yeah. about that. And then counterattacks the Biden administration for cuts in Medicare when all they were trying to do was save $300 billion in uh, the price of prescriptions that Mm -hmm. they finally got through legislation. So this has turned into a silly season where uh, everyone's kind of like just playing politics with these issues that that actually are meaningless because there's no bill that's going to be considered in the next two years of the Biden administration to make any cuts to Medicare or Social Security. He separately told uh, reporters, Rick, that Mitch McConnell is, quote, backing up Biden again, unquote. Nobody ever beats Mitch McConnell when they go up against him, right? Well, (laughs) certainly there's no evidence that Rick Scott's making any progress in his uh, (laughs) independent effort to frame the Republican (laughs) ideology against entitlements. Uh, but, uh, yeah, my money's on Mitch McConnell all the time. He is the ultimate survivor. And and I don't think he's actually trying to help uh, President Biden. I think what he's trying to do is make sure that his party, the Republican Party, doesn't get tagged with a policy that they don't embrace. But this was personal, too, wasn't it, Rick? I don't mean to keep coming back on uh, come back at you here, but but Rick Scott wanted to be the leader. I mean, he was he was seen as challenging Mitch, Mitch McConnell and now he's paying for it. Right. 
You know, I, I don't think Mitch McConnell took his challenge very seriously. I mean, the reality is it was not even a contest. And it actually helps guys like Mitch McConnell solidify their their power when they know, like, okay, who's walking the plank against me? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you hear the saw cutting through that plank. <laughs> um, and, and so Mitch McConnell's been around the track a long time. He was not fearful of his position as, as leader of the Republican caucus in the Senate. Mm-hmm. And it kind of does him a favor by showing how strong he is continuously year in and year out when these kinds of... Of, uh, offenses come but like look Mitch McConnell's also a very savvy politician and he knows that revenge is best sold uh, served cold <laughs> and uh, and 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 I'm quite sure that 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 there's not likely a leadership job coming Rick Scott's way again uh, yeah I, boy I can only imagine to be a fly on the wall genie how does the White House continue uh, to exploit this story and and how long can this last Oh, it's going to last as long as they can keep this it alive. This has been a boon for them. You know, you've got a divided Republicans in the Senate going after each other. You do have Republicans on the record making this claim. And I think it's important for us to say there is a real serious debate to be had. I mean, we've talked countless times on this program about the deficit and the amount of spending and bloat in the federal government. If that's the reality, we do have to have a discussion about Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid and the fact that they might be may not be around much longer unless we address them. That's all been left by the wayside while we have this political debate and we try to get everyone on the record saying they won't be touched. If they're not touched, how can we salvage them? So the reality is there's a real serious discussion to be had, but we're not going to have that before 2024, <laughs> if not probably not after that yeah. either. Oh my god. You're probably right. Bloomberg Sound on with our panel, Rick and Jeannie. And uh, we've got just a couple of minutes here for a breaking news story. Good Lord. First, FBI agents find additional classified document in Mike Pence's home. Now the headline, Trump lawyers turned in folder with classified markings. ABC News has this. Federal agents Rick also received a laptop belonging to a Trump aide. Well, that got as much attention as the Hunter Biden laptop. Uh, not with the House Republicans, uh, but uh, I certainly think the media will cover it pretty harshly, and uh, and they should. I mean, this this has gone on for a long time, and it's no evidence that this is the pace of this investigation or the disclosures that are happening because of it are going to yeah. slow down. If anything, it's just it's a constant reminder about how loose the rules or how loose Incredible. the discipline has been around the treatment of uh, of these kinds of classified documents. I mean, here we are all freaking out uh, over, you know, like this balloon at 60,000 feet listening to what we're saying. Oh, yeah. and, and the reality is if you just go through the garbage in any one of these former presidents, <laughs> presidents you'll probably pick up all the national secrets you're point. looking for. Rick Davis puts his finger on it again here, Jeannie. This is a huge problem. We, maybe we should be less concerned with balloons and more documents. That's right. And, and you know, can we all agree that there is a real discussion to be had about classified documents in this country and it's not political every side has apparently done it we have a problem that needs to be addressed (laughs) trump pence biden trump pence biden it keeps going around how about george santos he sits down for a formal interview and actually confesses a little bit we'll do that of course next with the panel i'm joe matthew this is bloomberg your industry is unique It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. 
At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services and claims, The Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business demands. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Bloomberg Sound On is brought to you by Innovation Refunds. This is your daily reminder from Innovation Refunds. The ERC is not alone. It's money your small, medium-sized business may be eligible to receive for keeping employees on payroll in 2020 and 2021. You remember, get an estimate of your company's potential refund today. Learn more at GetRefunds.com. Is George Santos getting closer to the truth? It sure sounded like it at one point. In a one-on-one interview, this is not being chased down a hallway, a one-on-one satellite interview with Newsmax, the congressman presumably trying to clean up the mess here with what he thought would be a friendly crowd and was in fact challenged in the interview, but revealed, I don't know if on purpose or unknowingly, uh, that, you know, well, he was lying about the college thing. Listen to his words. You can be the judge. He was asked about, uh, you know, if you lied about where you went to college, which came up again this week in his argument on the House floor at the State of the Union with none other than Mitt Romney. We'll get to that in a minute. Listen to George Santos. Here's the deal. I would have never gotten the nomination from Nassau County GOP if I had not concluded college. That was really the main driver because of the way of the nature of their politics over there. It's it's just plain and simple. Right. So I um. I made that bad decision. I stand by my work experience. I, I walk the walk. I talk the talk. I know what I'm doing. Oh, so uh, would never have gotten the nomination from the Nassau County GOP if I had lied, Jeannie. I mean, you understand, don't you? Oh, I do. I'd never been allowed to practice medicine if I hadn't gone to medical <laughs> school. So I just said, let me in the operating well, room. So I'll go something. at it. And Joe, I thought you might play some simple minds. Like, don't you forget about me. So that was just a little segment idea for Thank some you. music. Thank you. We got to do it. Let's riff on this more often. Um, I, does that hurt him? <laughs> this guy's being investigated right now. I mean, all they have to do is watch Newsmax to, to prepare the case, Rick. 
Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> look, I mean, it, there's nothing that can explain the conduct of George Santos <laughs> and the fact that Caitlin Sinclair was able to interview him and sit down and actually have a conversation with him. I mean, honestly, the fact that she did not crack a laugh and just like or get hysterically pissed off, it, it was amazing to me. I mean, like just uh, just that interview was was it was like taking fingernails and rubbing them right <laughs> down the chalkboard. Uh, and, 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 and I love it. I mean, oh, yeah, I had to lie about my background, but like yeah. I walk the walk. Well, what <laughs> walk is that? I don't know how they walk in Nassau County. <laughs> I don't think it's the what he's referring to. Uh, again, on the Romney interaction, he was asked about this, uh, this interaction that we talked about, the State of the Union, because Mitt Romney said he didn't hear right when he when he told uh, George Santos he was an embarrassment. He didn't hear the response. Uh, so he was asked if that was the case and what he what he said in response here's santos again on newsmax i'll put it this way it's not meant for television what i said back to him <laughs> but i can tell you one thing he did hear me and kirsten cinema as she was walking by the senator from arizona she said something to the effects of hang in there buddy or something like that i said thank you thank you uh, <laughs> madam senator she was very polite very kind-hearted as as i've learned to to, to see her uh, she's a good person unlike mr romney mm who thinks he's above it all and is in a whole, whole almighty white horse trying to talk to us down on morality. Oh. The reality is he's always been a prejudice, he's always has prejudice towards minority. He had it in his 2012 election, and that is why he didn't become president. Oh my God. So he's, he's declared war apparently on Mitt Romney, Jeannie, uh, and is allied now with Kirsten Cinema. Yeah, except that Kirsten Cinema's spokesperson came out and said, big shocker, this oh. is a lie oh. by George Santos. The senator never said any such. I know it's shocking, Joe. I can't it's a believe lie. believe any of this. <laughs> Mitt Romney, my God, why did he wade into this, Rick? Does he just stay quiet now? You know, I think he was, I'm sure, I've gotten to know Mitt. He's just a, a really good soul. And I'm sure just being in the same room with him, just happened to be the House of Representatives, was yeah. enough to like just get him to have to say something to the guy. He's not going to hold back. And, and kudos to you, Mitt. I mean, you've said what everybody's thinking. <laughs> it's the last time he goes on the House floor, right? Uh, Rick, thanks. Jeannie, you're great. Have a lovely weekend. I'll meet you back here next week on the Fastest Hour in Politics. This is Bloomberg. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.